On Thursday, the Spanish parliament approved the new bill allowing women paid menstrual leave, becoming the first country in Europe to do so. Women suffering from incapacitating periods can call in sick. The bill is part of a broader law which aims to facilitate access to abortion in public hospitals, but also includes the free provision of menstrual products in schools and prisons. This is Pulse Check. I'm Carmen Pond. Climate change and conflict are supercharging cholera, a diarrheal disease caused by ingesting contaminated water and food. Thousands of people are dying from Haiti to Malawi. According to the World Health Organization, more people died of cholera last year globally than in the previous five years combined. Nearly 20 countries are battling outbreaks and they don't have enough vaccines to immunize all those at risk. What else is needed? Safe drinking water and access to toilets. The Kentucky Supreme Court ruled Thursday to keep two state abortion restrictions in place for now, dashing the hopes of clinics that had sued for the right to resume providing abortions while legal challenges continue. However, Justice Deborah Lambert left the door open to hearing a future challenge on whether the right to abortion exists by implication under the Kentucky Constitution. And on Wednesday, expert advisors to the FDA voted 19-0 to that the agency should approve a non-prescription version of naloxone, an opioid overdose antidote, meaning it eventually could be sold in gas stations, grocery stores, and convenience shops. Catherine Ellen Foley is here to talk about her reporting. Hey, thanks for having me. So break it down for me. What does this advisory committee vote actually mean? So the FDA can choose to call on its advisory committees at any time. And the idea is that they're this expert panel that can help the FDA make decisions in a public way over a high-profile product or a product that, you know, maybe there's some conflicting data on. In this case, there wasn't a lot of conflicting data. Advisors from two committees voted unanimously to recommend that the FDA should approve this over-the-counter version of Narcan, which is sort of like a nasal spray of naloxone made by a company called Emergent Biosolutions. So now that the two advisory committees have voted in favor of the FDA approving this, it's sort of kicked to the FDA to ultimately decide if they're going to approve this product And they have until March 29th to make that final decision based on when Emergent asked the FDA to review this application. I will say it was kind of an interesting meeting because usually there's there's a lot of debate about the science presented here. But one thing that advisors really talked about was that there aren't really safety concerns for using this drug. The biggest concern they had was that lay people wouldn't be able to use Narcan based on the instructions that emergent would provide. So really it was more of a discussion around, you know, will will people be able to use this properly to save someone's life? But if this drug is so great and and safe and easy to use, uh, why has it always been a prescribed drug so far? It kind of goes back to the history of this drug. So the FDA approved naloxone in 1971. It's been around forever. And the way that it works is it breaks the bond between opioids and our opioid receptors in our brains. So originally it was used in hospital settings and that's why it was a prescription because, you know, opioids are painkillers, are used in surgery all the time. And so it was a really useful tool to like wake people up if they accidentally gave people too much or if they just needed to wake them up for, for whatever reason. 
It wasn't until later that harm reduction advocates were saying, hey, this could actually be a really useful tool for accidental overdoses. And usually, you know, this form of, nal- of naloxone is a shot. So you'd have to give a shot. And there are still many forms of naloxone out there that are in this like shot form. Um, and it wasn't until 2015 that the FDA approved this nasal spray version of naloxone. And the advantage is that it's a lot easier to give someone a nasal spray than it is to, to give someone a shot if you're not familiar with how to do that. But it is a pretty remarkable drug in that there are really no negative side effects. If you are not going through an overdose, for example, and somebody, but you're, you're unconscious for some other reason, and somebody gives you naloxone, nothing will happen to you. I mean, the one thing that could happen is maybe you your care for something else is delayed, but there's no adverse effect from the drug itself. You can't abuse naloxone. You can't misuse it in any way. It's really a useful life-saving tool. I see. So I was listening to um, a few hearings in Congress this week on the issue of fentanyl and fentanyl poisoning and and overdose too. Mm -hmm. And many people are making the point that this is the deadliest drug crisis that the United States has faced so far, and which is remarkable because we know that the U.S. has had quite a bunch of drug crises in the past. Will this mm-hmm. move to allow this drug to be over-the-counter make a dent in this crisis? I wish I had the answers for you, but what I will say is that many harm reduction advocates, as well as the Biden administration, have been really hoping that by making an over-the-counter version of naloxone, so something that could be sold um, in a drugstore without talking to a pharmacist or in a gas station. The hope is really that more people will feel comfortable picking it up and just carrying it on them all the time in case they encounter someone who has accidentally overdosed. So everyone agrees in the harm reduction space that it's, it's a great thing. We need to increase access to naloxone because the programs that we have aren't enough. To give a little context, Right now, you can get naloxone in a healthcare setting, but all 50 states and the District of Columbia have these like interesting legal workarounds where people can get naloxone either through a pharmacist if they're prescribed an opioid painkiller, or if they just ask a pharmacist for an opioid painkiller, or they can get it through a state harm reduction program, like a needle exchange program, for example. So that's really how, like, there there are ways to access naloxone even without going to a doctor. The problem is that these programs don't have a ton of funding. And even if they're meeting all of their needs, we know that the opioid crisis is still ongoing. There were over 81,000 deaths in 2021 related to opioid overdoses. So clearly, it's not enough to go around. Now, the concern is that at the moment, a two-pack of Narcan costs about $70. And that might not be accessible for some of the people who are most likely to go through um, an overdose. That might be too expensive. So we're not sure how much Emergent will charge for its over-the-counter version of Narcan. It's too soon to tell without the drug being approved. And it's also not clear that like people are going to want to go to a store to spend that kind of money. So the people who tend to be at the highest risk for overdoses are those who use intravenous or inhaled drugs. 
And for the most part, those people are using an injected form of naloxone, which is the oldest, cheapest form of the drug. And because of maybe the way that they use drugs, they're familiar with how to administer a shot to themselves or a loved one. So some harm reduction advocates, while they say this is a great move, some fear that it still won't reach the people who are most likely to experience an overdose. And of course, anybody can overdose, but some people, because of their behaviors, are more likely to overdose than others. That's very interesting and still many questions up in the air. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for talking to me about it, Catherine. Thanks, Carmen. Have a great one. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Brooke Hayes is our editor. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Amond is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Carmen Pond. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.